This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Inside Access with Jason Lockonfora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. Your master's and bachelor's goals haven't changed and neither has Stevenson University's online commitment to you. Visit online.stevenson.edu. 1057-1057 The Fan. Winter meetings are continuing in San Diego. MLB winter meetings. And let's talk some Orioles baseball. Brock Kabatko, of course, covers the O's for MassInSports.com. And he joins us now, courtesy of the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline. And, and Rock, thanks as always for joining us. You've got Scott Burroughs and, and Rob Manfred throwing flowers at the Orioles within hours of each other. It's a whole new world. <laughs> it really is. And thank goodness Boris answered the Orioles question early so I could crawl my way out of that giant scrum that he always has every year. They really just start putting that thing in a conference room instead of just finding a spot in the lobby. But he, he must have had this one in the holster oh, hoping yeah. somebody would ask about him because he said, you know, they're, they're birds of prey. They feathered up. I don't even know what that means, but it seems like it should be on a T-shirt. So that's liftoff. Really that, that's his way yeah. of saying liftoff, Rock. Apparently it is. There are so many different versions of what liftoff means. And he said he's been in constant contact with Michael Elias. Now, who knows? you know, about which players, how you define constant. It's also Scott Boris, who is drumming up a market like any good agent does. But still, that was some very positive stuff coming from him, as opposed to us asking, hey, do you you think Chris Davis can turn it around this season? (laughs) This is a little bit different now. Rock, that's where I was gonna go though. Lift off. You Chris could put Davis. that on a you could put that on a t shirt for sure. He said it back in August. He clarified what he meant yesterday. What did you think of Elias's definition of liftoff? Yeah, I think where the misunderstanding came is because he mentioned that and then also talked about how they're now free to increase payroll. And I think people kind of combined those two things to mean that he was gonna, you know, break the bank and they were going to be all in on all the major free agents. And what he was basically saying instead was that from this point forward, they should continue to get better. They could focus on the major league team, not sacrificing in order to infuse talent into the farm system, uh, things like that. And they're going to continue to get better. They're in a much healthier spot than they were before he arrived. And yes, payroll will increase. But then he warned later, hey, a lot of that's, you know, the arbitration uh, raises that are coming. But also, you know, yeah, they, they are, do have the freedom to take on bigger contracts than they have in the past and, and to be more aggressive in free agency. But I think he just wanted to explain that did not mean that they were necessarily going after Aaron Judge-type contracts and were, you know, going to go crazy now on the market. I think he was trying to, to uh, tap the brakes a little bit on that. Uh, By the Rob, way, can you hear the Christmas carols in the background? I, I can't. A nice setting. That's too bad. No. Okay. But that's that's you're setting the scene for us, and we appreciate it. And you didn't mention that it's what eighty three degrees there, or whatever it is, and perfectly sunny. So. I think it's really like the low sixties. Oh, strangely, okay. I'm not going to complain. Grin and bear it. Here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it has been it's yeah it's, it's been a little little chilly in the morning 
for San Diego, I guess. Um, anything that kind of struck you from the session you guys had with Mike Elias out there outside of this whole, you know, whatever, however people want to interpret, uh, lift off or take off. Um, like, I, I thought him talking about Ramon and kind of, you know, sliding him at second base, that almost, for me, resonated more than anything else he said. Yeah, although he did mention as the roster is currently constructed. Sure. It's a key point because, you know, we're in early December, so there's plenty of time if they decide to pivot another direction with, you know, signings, trades, or whatever, or let's say someone wins a job in camp. But for now, yeah, it looks like Urias, which – would be one of the few times I'm guessing that somebody won a gold glove at one position and then yeah. switched the next yeah. one. Someone's got to research that. That cannot be very common. But he would be just figures. If you look on paper, he's probably the guy because I really think Gunner is the third baseman and for now Mateo's the the shortstop. So you're really, you know he can move around, but you know he's been so valuable with that glove and and they like uh, what he's been offering at the plate, especially the power, like to the other side that they, they would like to keep him in the lineup. So right now that would be the position for him but the other thing that jumped out to me really about that session we figured they were going to announce Kyle Gibson and that's one year I did not expect Mike to offer up it was for 10 million that was a surprise to me because the Orioles never share right you know the money in a contract so you know I would thought well that's I don't know if that's because maybe there were some reports that I might have missed that had it wrong or maybe he just felt like hey this is a good way to get the word out there that we're you know we're spending I don't know, but it just surprised me because it obviously saved me some text messages to a bunch of different people trying <laughs> to get the terms of the contract. Uh, and yes, that's very similar to Jordan Lyle's money. You know, the $11 million, uh option that they declined gets a $1 million buyout, but I think a lot of that was the timing of that deadline, as he'd explained, Elias, that, you know, at that time when you had to make the decision, they weren't really ready to commit that kind of money that early in the offseason. And also they look at Gibson as a guy – that they can work with with their pitching program to get more out of him. The improved defense is going to help him than what he dealt with in, in Philly. And they think that, you know, there's a way that they can really bring down like the ERA, mm-hmm. the whip and get more out of him. And, and he's kind of almost like a little bit of a project that they want to, that they want to tackle with, you know, the information they have at their disposal here, the data and the work that they do. So I just think they felt like this is a really good fit for toward the back end of the rotation, ideally. We're talking to Rock Kabatko with Inside Access here on the fan. So, where, what are you hearing? Is this is the time of year where rumors are flying, and there there are people on Twitter with check marks I've ever that I've never heard of that are telling me that the Orioles are in on all these people. But uh, like, like I don't expect them to be in the deep end of the pool. But those second tier pitchers, could you see them coming away with one of those guys uh, in in the next week? I, I absolutely could, and if certainly if not while we're here. It could be after we leave. I think they could have another uh, acquisition here. And, yeah, I'm thinking it's more, again, everything I've heard, is the, the aggression is really in that second tier. And that can be a, a Tyone. That can be a Bassett. It can be somebody else like that. And I know everybody's excited about Carlos Rodone. And, yes, he's a Boris client. But, you know, John Heyman reported that Rodone's looking for somewhere in the neighborhood like six years at 30 mil per year at least. And I just don't think the Orioles are venturing in that neighborhood and, and Elias has warned, look, we're not going zero to 60 in one off season. So this would be like the best curveball ever thrown if after all that they end up breaking the bank for a, a, you know, a pitcher like that. It would be a real surprise, but clearly there's talking about him because that's what you do when you're going to see what the market is and if there's something that could be worked out and he makes total sense on, for a number of reasons. But it would just really surprise me if they went ahead and, and signed someone like that when – 
they could go ahead and get somebody who's a really good second tier guy who could be an opening day starter for him and use that money that's saved because they're still looking to add, you know, a left-handed hitter, first base DH type corner outfielder, uh, and, and some other spots like that. So I just, I, I would be really surprised if they end up signing Radon, but I don't want to say never and ended up being proven wrong, and you guys will play this tape back. <laughs> I also don't think they're in on, on any of the shortstops. I have not no. heard really any rumors connected to them. They really don't think that's an area of need, and they'll say any reason why you would try and compete with the deep-pocketed teams that do have a screaming need for a shortstop. My man crush du jour is Brian Reynolds. I think you put that – I know left-handed bat. Well, I'll take a switch hitting bat over that, right? A guy who's good enough to play center field for most teams, wouldn't have to for this one, could handle the wall – and left, I mean, you look at his career OPS numbers, you look at his power numbers, um, you know, he can run. I mean, he's athletic, he's controllable for three more years. Uh, could you, I mean, I'm thinking Adley, Santander, and Brian Reynolds in the middle of a lineup, all as switch hitters. Like, th- that gets me going. Do, do you think they'll at least kick the tires on something like that? I'm sure they'd kick the tires initially. I thought you were saying Rushman and Sandet Tandare in a trade could get No, you. no, 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 no. I want, I want all three of them together. <laughs> no, they can have Westberg and Mayo and Basayo if they want, I guess. I don't know. See, that that is the thing here is that, you know, what do you have to give up? And Elias has said that he understands that in order to make a big trade like that, you're going to have to start parting with some of these minor league prospects. And, of course, but they're not looking to – give them away. They're not going to be overly comfortable doing that, but that's just a reality. And this is a guy who does make a lot of sense if the Pirates are willing to move him. He has talked about wanting to be traded. That doesn't mean the Pirates have to, and I'm sure they would like to be able to work something out unless they're overwhelmed with an offer to be able to keep him, maybe to sign him long-term and satisfy uh, what he's looking for. But he, would, you know, he makes sense on a lot of levels, and again, it just goes back to, okay, what would you have to give up in order to get him? Rock Abaco covers the O's from AspenSports.com. Rock, thanks always for your time. Enjoy the warm weather or warmer than here weather in San Diego. Thanks, guys. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas or whatever you celebrate. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> thanks, Rock. It's Inside Access. Coming up next, we get back to football. Northern exposure, Steelers. They, their Ravens are taking on the Steelers this Sunday. Steelers are on a little bit of a heater. We'll hear from Mike Tomlin, Northern Exposure, next here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. Northern Exposure on Inside Access. Sponsored by Plaza Ford. See why customers have trusted Plaza Ford for more than 85 years. Get quality vehicles and superior service at Plaza Ford. Bel Air Road in Bel Air or online at plazaford.com. Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman traverse the AFC North. 105.7 Man, Greg Roman schematically, man, produces some challenges. Uh, we know it. We've been exposed to it. Um, we've been in the stadium with Hundley before. Uh, to be quite honest with you, they're one of the few teams um, that have major quarterback mobility that have done a consistent job of making sure that that mobility isn't lost when their starter goes down. Um, whether it's Hundley or Huntley um, or, or McSorley even in the last or RG3, you think about the last four or five years, man, they've always got quality backups. Wow, that's uh, Mike Tomlin throwing some flowers that's a, at the Ravens. Yeah, uh, that's some bring up, bring up McSorley throwbacks. and RG3 and Brett Hundley. And, and, and let the record state, Brett Hundley has never played a snap in a regular season game for the Ravens. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I don't know what he's talking he about He may there. have, like, 
when he had to play for the Packers that year when Rodgers got hurt, maybe he faced the Steelers yeah, then. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, the Ravens faced him that year, so yeah, they, they did They did right. face him. Yeah, and they shut him out. In so he might yeah. be conflating that. <laughs> yes, he, he, he remembers seeing Brett Hundley. Tomlin coming off cursing a fan out as he's working. I don't know if you saw that. On social I media. did. No. I you, you didn't see this? No. He meant he was working, but not working. He's he like he's walking, walking towards the field in a like through the bowels of the stadium, and there's an area that's cordoned off. And I, I didn't hear it with volume. I've just heard it transcribed. So yeah. did the fan? The like, fan's like, "Hey, coach, what's right? up?" And it didn't seem like he said anything offensive. No, he just like, "Hey, coach," and the, and Thomas says, "I'm effing working." Oh, that's very untomlin like. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what Ben thinks of that. Oh, we can't. We're, we're we'll hear find it out. We'll find we, out. We, Footballing. Uh, we will find out. Hey, more from Mike Tomlin, who we love. Uh, talks about tight end Mark Andrews. Obviously, Andrews is going to be significant regardless of who's playing quarterback. Um, his ability to dominate the game down the field, um, you know, it goes beyond his position. He's a number one receiver in the National Football League in the ways that Kelsey's a number one receiver. Um, tight end is you're boxing him in, describing him as a tight end. Um, we, we better work to, to, to minimize his impact on the game. So Mike Tomlin feeling himself a little bit. The Steelers have won two in a row. They sit at five and seven, and maybe a little run is happening, and they're catching the Ravens with their backup quarterback. I don't know about down the field because with uh, Trent, uh, uh, Tyler Huntley, they really don't go down the field. No, no, they don't, and the Steelers don't do a ton of it with Pickett. Um, but this will be the first time in a while where there's some wide, like there's wide receivers who will present problems for these guys. You know, like Judy and Sutton, mm-hmm. they've been banged up. They just got back, and that whole thing with Russ is a joke. But like Pickett will throw jump balls to to Pickens. He mm-hmm. didn't do it as much as they wanted. And last he was week. happy. Um, but like that's a problem. Deontay Johnson could be a problem. And coming off a game in which Dulcich, whatever, was a problem. Dulcich was a problem. Friermuth. Friermuth could be a problem. So they've got, and and even lately, they've run the ball better. So this is, you know, this is not a, this is by no means a gimme. And I understand why the Ravens on the road are getting three points. Jason, I I think... Ever since this bye week, we've seen no game is a gimme for the Ravens. A lot has been talked about for their week schedule after the bye. No Sharpie games, Cam. No, 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 the Sharpie games are done. Sharpie games. Sharpie games done for the year. I I will tell you, uh, as we we look at uh, the the Ravens, and part of the reason no Sharpie games is Lamar Jackson. Who knows who's coming back? A friend of the station, George Bruyere, who used to be one of the – you know, guys that did the uh, injury report with us on Baltimore Game Day Uncensored pregame, he cited the Brashad Perryman PCL sprain and how long that that lasted. He said he said he's, he'll believe one to three weeks when he sees it because sprains sprains. We don't know how severe the sprain is. We shall see. I still think, and his legs are so important to him, Lamar. Yeah, I still think at a minimum it's going to be the latter of the one to three yep. weeks, and it could be more. Like uh, George Bruyere said, that's Doctor Bruyere. Doctor. Excuse me. Uh, Lamar's, you got to look out for number one here. Yes, sir. And he needs to be completely healthy. We know the franchise tag in the back pocket, but his contract's about to expire. You do not. Have they looked out for number eight? Number eight's got to look out for number one. But I ask you, have they looked out for number eight? No. Have they put him in positions to succeed? Or in any way come close to maximizing this five-year window where they had, where he was a fixed cost, 
and one of the biggest bargains of professional sports history. I am old enough to remember the Ravens going up to Buffalo in 2019 and winning a close game in part because Josh Allen couldn't throw the ball. He, he was not accurate at all. And people were wondering, is Josh Allen an NFL quarterback? Well, they went out and got him a number one receiver, and now Josh Allen's an MVP candidate. I remember whispers of Jalen Hurts and whether or not he could play quarterback in the National Football League. Well, they got him A.J. Brown. He might win the MVP this year. Tua Tungavailoa, is he an NFL quarterback? Well, they got him Tyreek Hill, and he, he's got the, the uh, Miami Dolphins possibly in the playoffs. Uh, they Those are teams that maximize their windows with guys. The Ravens did not. I'll tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Lamar Jackson with Kenny Pickett's weapons. wonder what that would look like. Uh-huh. Be an upgrade over anything he's ever had. Yes. Well, you're talking about an organization that can't even luck into a receiver, and the Steelers, they, they just find guys. It doesn't matter. Where are you picking them? They just and find And then they stuff. flip Claypool, who was a cancer, <laughs> and getting the quarterback in bad yeah. habits, and they get like the probably the 34th pick of the draft for a guy they weren't going to keep around anyway. Yeah, and uh, get get Pickens more run, though. He only had one catch for two yards last week and was not happy. Oh, I just thought of something. Miles Boykin revenge game. Oh, oh yeah. I'm saying it right now. Latavius Murray, I said last week, would have more receiving yard, rushing yards than yeah. any Ravens running well, Miles back. Miles Boykin has more special teams Miles tackles. Miles Boykin hey, both has predictions more catches than any Ravens receiver in this game. You're high. Okay. He might not have one catch. Okay. He, he might lead uh, the all receivers. Boykin revenge. You see what A.J. Brown did last yeah. week in his revenge game? Yeah. It's a Boykin revenge game, yeah. GG. Yeah. You remember I, oh, last time we had this conversation, mm-hmm. you scoffed at a Chris Warmley revenge yes. game. I told you he was going to wreak havoc. Dude had like two and a half sacks. Yeah, he, he did have two and a half. He actually plays on defense. They pull out all the stops. Yeah. Uh, They've I, been keeping all the Boykin stuff in the vault. Now, Matt Canada. Do you think Canada has I'll a I'll see vault? your vault, and I'll raise you a vault. I will tell you, on the year... Miles Boykin has one catch for two yards. <laughs> He's going off in this game. <laughs> one He's catch, going off. One catch, two yards. They've been holding it yards. back. They've been holding it back. Yeah. And he also he's gonna he's gonna be footballing out well, there on Sunday, Jason. You also got to consider. Oh, sorry, one catch for eleven yards, two targets. The receivers were very involved with Tyler Huntley. Didn't get a ton of yards, but they got a lot of catches. Yeah, yeah. seventeen for ninety-four. But he's really gonna spread it around this week. Okay, even more. Miles Boykin revenge game. Hey, we'll okay. come back. Ravens, they win, but it wasn't pretty. We'll get Rita Hubbard's thoughts on that game and what she expects to see against the Steelers this Sunday next. Inside Access. Your exclusive home for all Baltimore sports. 1057 The Fan. Well, that's all right, Mama. That's all right for you. Ravens coming off a 10-9 win over the Denver Broncos. They take on the Steelers this coming weekend in Pittsburgh as the Ravens trying to keep pace with the Cincinnati Bengals, who steamrolled through their last three games. Let's head out to the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline as we're joined weekly by our friend Rita Hubbard, part of our uh, Baltimore Game Day on Center postgame coverage, winning drive podcast, Tyus Bowser Show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Rita, good afternoon. Thank you, as always, for joining us. So you were there Sunday. Uh, how are you feeling about that win? same way I'm sure everybody else feels about it. It was ugly as hell. I mean, boring as hell. I mean, mean, the last, what, four minutes of the game was interesting, but the other 56 was terrible, man. And you got to be concerned when you watch this team. We thought that they had turned a corner and then the, the, 
Bucks and Saints game, and then it feels like since the the bye week they've done nothing but regress. So it, it's been a very weird turn of events since the bye. Rita, what's your concern in the lack of production from the running backs in the ground game? And I know there's definitely been times, even in that game, where Roman hasn't necessarily given them the volume. I just don't understand. I, I don't understand what we're doing here, right? If if we keep talking about the one great thing that Greg Roman does is create these great running schemes and, and, and does these things, then why are your running backs only getting 14 carries in a game? Why is the backup quarterback getting 32 pass attempts in a game against the number two defense in the country against the best red zone defense in the country. I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. I don't think they understand what they're doing. Some of this, you have to wonder if Gus Edwards is not a hundred percent healthy. And that's why they're finding ways to kind of get away from the run game a little bit. But I, you know, obviously there's some issues with um, the offensive line. We know that Ronnie Stanley is out, but Zeitler's, struggled a little bit, and, I, and I'm giving Zeitler a pass here because he's been phenomenal all year, but, you know, that that Broncos defensive line is really good, and, and I just don't understand what they're doing because it's not just the Broncos game we're talking about. You know what I mean? This is, you know, they struggled against the Panthers. They struggled against the Jaguars. They're not getting um, rush attempts in the red zone. I have no idea what they're doing. I wish someone would ask Greg Roman what exactly it is that you want to do here because we keep hearing that you want to run this football and then you're not running the football. So I'm confused. I know that Gigi and Bone were at the game, but they're in the press box. You know, the you've got the enclosed glass and everything. It's not quite the same as the fan experience. You're there as a fan. How have the crowds been? Were there more Broncos fans there than you thought? Were people nah. leaving? Were people leaving this thing early? Was your boyfriend the Broncos fan there? No, he did not come. He, I told y'all he said he what he quit the Broncos yeah. weeks ago. He meant what he said. He was not going, so I ended up going. At the very last second, um, you know, listen, no, it wasn't a ton of Broncos fans there. It was a, a small contingent, but, you know, it, it's easy to pick out orange in a sea of purple. Right. So, you know, there's that. I do, you know, I do Ravens post game, so I don't, I didn't stay for the entire game. But, I mean, it didn't feel like people were leaving okay. early when I left. But if they did, right, would you be surprised? I, I, I know people watch. that did yeah. go to the game and then said that they left, that they didn't stay until the very end because, you know, it, it just wasn't a fun experience for them. And when I was there, you could hear the crowd getting very frustrated and jeering and, you know, all of that stuff was going on. People are frustrated because we don't know exactly what's going on with this offense. So, you know, I, I, I don't think – you know, I, I was told that Broncos fans, like, east of the Mississippi, they don't really travel. That's what I heard. I don't know if that's true or not. But I wasn't surprised that they didn't, like, take over. They ain't good either. So what are they coming out there for? <laughs> We're speaking to Rita Hubbard. It's inside access on the fan. And, Rita, I wanted to get your thoughts. Look, the defense, you give up nine points. Broncos didn't get in the uh, red zone. But they gave up points at the end of the first half. They got in position to kick a potential game-winning field goal. This has been a theme throughout the year of the Ravens' defense struggling at the end of each half. Uh, just your concern level there. That's so, you know, like, and, and look, they played 
well. I mean, I don't know if that means anything in this particular game because the Broncos' offense is not good, right? But, yeah, I mean, and look, I thought that I, I had no doubt that they weren't going to do anything because I just don't think that the Broncos' offense is good. Right. But it's sad that I feel that way because their offense isn't good and not because I felt like the defense was going to do something. And I felt like, you know, the coverage was good at times at that last drive. Russell Wilson running, you know, for that, that big chunk of yards. I mean, look, sometimes, that's what's going to happen when the middle of the field is open, but that also means that guys were covered, right? So, you know, it's crazy that that happened the way that it did. But luckily for us, we were playing against one of the worst offenses in the National Football League. And so as good as McManus is, I know this because he's on my fantasy team, uh, he ain't no Justin Tuck, right? Like, so I didn't feel any type of way about it when he went out there to get the kick. I was like, he ain't getting this kick. He's good, but he ain't that good. <laughs> Rita, uh, after watching the last two weeks, uh, which is softer, the Ravens' defense at the end of halves or games or a fresh loaf of store-bought bread? this question I, I i i can watch that christian kirk 16 yard pass on a loop two weeks ago and watching what the broncos did at the end of the half of the game they seem to want to keep everything in front of them but that doesn't seem to be working yeah like i don't get it like like what well, the jacksonville game is like really like that that play that led to you know the the long um uh, the, that that drive is so weird mm. particularly that one play where they like they were playing like this deep type of prevent thing and it was weird I, I don't know where the linebackers were I don't even think that they were even supposed to be that far back but even still it was too much that even if they moved up a little bit it was too much I don't understand it either I don't understand why when you're in a position that you're supposed to you know um, try to finish your game why aren't you putting pressure and I ain't, yep. I'm not asking for like wink pressure right but listen what Wink was doing last year with guys that had no experience is different. You have guys that have experience here this year. Marlon Humphrey is playing. Marcus Peters is there. You got Chuck Clark back there. I do not understand why you're not turning it up at you know in, in critical situations and why you're playing this weird defense type of, you know, I don't understand it at all, and, and, and it really bothers me because I've been a defender of Mike McDonald pretty much all season. But it it does feel like at the end of football games, for whatever reason, he lets up a little bit. And he, and, and I thought that we that the definition of insanity is like doing the same thing over and over and thinking that you're going to get a different result. I don't understand why we're still doing this when teams are actually moving the ball on you and you keep doing that. So it's very confusing. Rita Hubbard, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. We will talk to you next week, hopefully talking about a win. All right, guys. And I want to say that the bread might not be – the bread might, is not the winner here, but it ain't by much. I don't, <laughs> it's close. It's close. Depends what brand. That's Rita Hubbard. It's uh, coming up next year on the program. Remember, coming up at 4 o'clock, we have another edition of Pre-TMI where we try to get T-Bone on some 80s pop culture and sports references, see if he knows any of them. But coming up next, Marcus Williams could be back this week. David Ajabo could finally make his debut this week. What could they add to the defense? Well, we're going to tell you next here on The Fan. Inside Access. This is your inside access to the facts that others ignore. Jason LaCanfora and Ken Wyman. 1057.
the fan. Marcus is a really just, he's a different kind of player. You know, it's, he's a true free safety. Now, he can get up in the box, he can blitz, he'll tackle, he'll do all those things. But he also has a knack, just like he did coming out from Utah, of finding the football. He can cover ground, gets his hands on the football. Uh, interceptions, tip balls, all those kind of things. I think he's a force back there that way. That was John Harbaugh talking about Marcus Williams, and Marcus Williams was a legit playmaker for the Ravens early in the season, but then he had the wrist injury, and he's been out for a while. Harbaugh said last week, guys like uh, Marcus Williams and J.K. Dobbins, they'll be having the conversation about them playing this Sunday in Pittsburgh. Assuming Marcus Williams is back, let's start with him. What kind of impact could he bring to this defense, Jason? Significant. I mean, they seemed to generate an interception a game while he was on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, Geno Stone, I think, dropped one this week. And look, I think Geno Stone started proving last year he's a useful NFL player, started proving this year that he could do more than I think anybody expected. And having him in reserve and having him part of sub packages and all that, um, I think is great, is ideal. But him playing every snap at free safety versus you know, Marcus Williams, there's an athletic um, drop-off disparity, right? There's a ability to play, make plays on the ball in the air disparity. There's a experience disparity. So, yeah, I think it could be huge. And now they seem as a team, for the most part, except for at the end of halves and games, to have sort of bought into his zone concepts and, and have, I would have to think, Right, they feel more comfortable in cover six, in cover three, doing some of the things maybe they do more now than they used to than they did when he got hurt two months ago. Right, so yeah, I think it could be a significant. I mean, it should be. It better yeah. be a significant impact. Well, yeah. I mean, that was the big free agent signing. I mean, that was the one deep, deep end of the pond they went into. Big swing. Yeah, I mean, the two biggest swings were. A safety at 14 overall and a $16 million safety at the start of free agency. So it better make a bit, it better make an impact. Bottom line is this it provides a ton of playmaking ability because they have zero playmaking ability mm. with their current safeties. Their safeties don't have an interception. Marcus Williams has three. Yeah. And he's played in what, four and a half games. And you said it makes this defense faster. It makes it more athletic. And getting him on the back end, and this team, to their credit, they've been great at taking the ball away. Sunday was the first game they didn't get a takeaway. But adding that extra playmaker on the back end is going to be huge as we get closer to January. So let's go, and I I agree with you guys. Marcus Williams looked like he, he was worth the money early in this season he was everything they expect him to be until he got hurt so I do expect to make an impact David Ajabo is a different story he's a guy coming off a an Achilles injury he has been practicing in full for I think three weeks now and still has been a healthy scratch every week in, in a world where their first round pick from a year ago Odafe Owe just got his second sack of the season this past game against Denver what are your expectations, Jason, on Ajabo, assuming he makes his debut Sunday? I still think he has a more a, more of a significant impact in his window of opportunity, however many games that turns out to be. <coughs> Excuse me, then what Owe has shown in his 12-game to this point. Um, 
opportunity and and how much of a pitch count he's on and how whittled down that role is and how specific it is you know that that's obviously up to them but i i buy him as a natural pass rusher much more than Owe. i just i don't think i don't think it's close i, I just wonder what they're seeing in practice that he hasn't seen the field yet cuz he has practiced in full now for three straight weeks yeah but it's not like he had like anything my expectation. I heard it a pro day. Like uh, he, I, had, I mean, he hadn't played a football game in a year. They didn't have to open the window, though. Well, I mean, why wouldn't you get a look see? What's the harm? No, but I mean, they could have waited to open the window and and seen him continue to rehab. Well, there is a cutoff point, though. Yeah, I mean, you I can't wait for it. No, there's a cutoff point where you yeah, lose the year because he wasn't on IR. He was on pop. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the difference there, I sure. think they had to wait three weeks to put him in that window. But my expectations are the same a month ago, two months ago, six months ago. This is a redshirt year. If they get anything out of him, it's a bonus. And it's getting to the point with David Ajabo, and it's not all on him. Look, he got hurt in a pro day. He didn't have any offseason. It's it's kind of Voldemort at this point. We all thought he was going to make his... He's uh, Candyman. Yeah, we all thought he was going to make his debut last week, two weeks ago. Before then, anything they get out of David Ajabo is a bonus. Now, next year is a different story. I have very high expectations for David Ajabo long-term. This year, it's we'll see. If he sees the field, I'm with Jason. I, I think he makes an impact. I'm just starting to get a little concerned about what they're seeing that he hasn't uh, been activated. Hey, coming up next, it's time for pre-TMI. And if you, and if you listen, you know the deal here. Basically, Jason and I come up with 80s pop culture and sports references, major ones, and see if T-Bone knows any of them. Major. Sometimes they turn the tables on us and major give us enough. some pop culture and sports references from their era. But this time, it's the old guys. Buckle up, Buttercup. We're quizzing T-Bone next. Inside Access. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 